A few weeks ago, I asked a question of you. You remember I said, hey, so if you were going to invite anyone, any four people to dinner, who would you invite? And some of you, you intentionally went to that heart place of like, well, here's someone I love, and so this is who I would invite in. Some of you, you were like this sports ball person or this other celebrity person. That's who I would invite to my table. Some of you, you said this history person. Well, I went historical. That's kind of where my, my mind went to. And some of you said Jesus, because you were in church. So you're like, I'm just going to say Jesus, because I know what Billy's probably eventually going to get to. And so that's made me think more this week. If you could really invite Jesus to lunch, would you? Like seriously, if you could invite Jesus to come to lunch with you today, would you do that or would you not? Now, some of you, careful before you answer, some of you are like, yes, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I'd want him to come to lunch. It'd be great. And some of you are like, hmm. Jesus would know every single thing about me, the things that even I thought and haven't said. I don't, I'll, maybe we'd wait a week or two for that. Like maybe, maybe not today. Maybe that's what I'd say. Just so you know, you're in good company. You're in real good company. We are celebrating Palm Sunday today. But before we get to that, I just want you to think about Peter for a moment. Peter is this guy who for three years, he was side by side with Jesus. He saw the miracles. He was there. He heard the teachings of Jesus. And the night that Jesus would be arrested, the night that Jesus would be arrested, do you remember what Peter did? He denied three times that he even knew Christ. Totally rejected Jesus. Totally rejected him. I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know who that is. Am I connected with Jesus? No way. And then came the trial. And then came the crucifixion. And then came the resurrection, and Peter was there, and he saw resurrected Christ. But I want you to pay attention to how Peter responded then. What did he do? He pushed away from everyone, didn't he? I don't want to be near anyone. I don't want to do any of your stuff. What is he going to do? He's going to go fishing. That's what he's going to do. Now, what would cause that response out of Peter? We could come up with a lot of different ways to say it, and maybe I'm off base, but I think it's pride. Church, I think it's pride. What is pride? Pride is that place of saying, I can do it by myself. And when I can't do it by myself, I'm going to throw some type of emotion. I'm just going to push away, right? I'm just going to push away. So he goes fishing. But here's the best. As he's coming in from fishing, he starts to come back in. Where's Jesus? He's right there at the shore cooking some breakfast up for everybody. Like, I guess that's awesome. That's as southern as it gets right there. I'm just going to cook us some breakfast. That's what I'm going to do. Fry up some eggs, some biscuits and gravy. I don't know what he cooked for breakfast. Probably not biscuits and gravy, but he's cooking. And you guys know how the scene plays out. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And feed my sheep. But that pride, man, that pride is tricky, isn't it? It sneaks right in. Sometimes I think we can do that. We say things like we love Jesus, but then all throughout the rest of the week, we want to live like we really don't need him. I just want you to know that if you're living like you don't need Jesus and you're not living in the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. So we're in this sermon series. Go ahead and turn in your Bible to Luke 14. We're in this sermon series called Soul Food. We've been going through the book of Luke and looking at these instances where Jesus is carrying out his mission around the table. 
He's carrying out his mission around the table. And today we're going to see him at the table of a group of Pharisees. And you're going to see this obstacle between the Pharisees and between Jesus. And I think the obstacle that's there is this obstacle of pride. I think it's that obstacle of pride that's right in the middle. So I mentioned that this is Palm Sunday. Church, here's my hope. My hope in this Palm Sunday, which marks the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. It marks the beginning of Holy Week. This is the beginning of Holy Week. My hope is that today is a day of preparation for you. That's my hope. My hope is that today is a day where you examine your heart. I want you to come in celebrating this week. I want you entering the week celebrating what Christ has done on the cross on our behalf. I want you able to celebrate that. But that happens best when you're able to examine and prepare your life for that celebration. On Friday, we're going to have a Good Friday service that marks the day that Christ was crucified. If you've never been to a Good Friday service, I highly encourage you to come. It's going to be at 6 p.m. And it's, um, here's what I love about our Good Friday service. It's so different from anything else we do. Like those of you who've been coming to Woodside for a while, you know the rhythm at all of our campuses, right? There's going to be some times that we pray and we're going to sing some songs and I'm going to get up and preach for about 30 minutes. Like you kind of already know what to expect, right? You know what we're going to do. Good Friday just strips all of that down. It's just so, so different than any of our other services. There's about twice a year that we do services that are just very different. Good Friday is one of those. Highly encourage you to be there. Saturday, we'll be celebrating Easter, Saturday evening at 5, and then our two normal Sunday services. Uh, if at all possible, if you're not inviting anyone to join you and you can come on Saturday, we'd really appreciate it. If you come on Saturday, we're really expecting all three services to be mighty full. So highly encourage you to be part of that. So today we're going to find Jesus in the house of a Pharisee. This is going to be Luke chapter 14, verses 1 through 11. And the first thing that we're going to see is we're going to see that pride keeps us from enjoying Jesus. Let's jump in, starting in verse 1. It says, One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and the Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. And then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And then he said to them, Which of you? Having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out. And they could not reply to these things. So this is the third time we've seen Jesus in the home of a Pharisee. The third time. We see it also in Luke chapter 7. We see it also in Luke chapter uh, 13. I think is where it's at. Luke chapter 7 and 13. Um, or Luke chapter 7 and 11. Luke chapter 7 11. In, in chapter 11, we see an interaction between Jesus and the Pharisees that really makes me think Jesus would never get invited to the home of a Pharisee again. Do you remember that? That's where we see the six woes to the Pharisees. Woe to you, Pharisees. It'd be like if I went to your house for dinner and we're just interacting, having dinner, and all of a sudden my hands just hit the table and I said, I can't believe the way you've been acting. Oh my goodness, what are you? I'd probably not get invited anymore, would I? Like that would do it. You would finish dinner with me and you go, we're not, but he's crazy. Like we're not gonna do that anymore. He may feel real bad about myself. Like I'm not gonna do that. That was the interaction with Jesus in chapter 11. It was the six woes to the Pharisees. 
And yet we see a Pharisee again invite Jesus to dinner. But not just a Pharisee. Look what it says here. This is an influential Pharisee. And yet just in six quick verses, what we see is we see this barrier between the Pharisees and Jesus. And it's all based around pride. Did you see it? All these faces. You realize pride has a lot of faces, right? It's not just like, oh, that's pride, and it's always super easy to identify. We see the pride of disbelief here. We see the pride of legalism here. We see the pride of hypocrisy here. All three jump up in six verses. Now, let's go back to verse 1 again. It says that Jesus was dining in the house of a ruler of the Pharisees. Why? Why, after that whole woe to you thing, why did they invite him in again? We don't know. Luke doesn't really tell us. We don't know. We know that Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem. So maybe, maybe the Pharisees said, well, we're just going to be hospitable. It's going to be hospitable. He's on his way to Jerusalem. We know that they're traveling. Let's just, it'd be just a, a nice gesture. Let's just do that. Let's be peacemakers and invite Jesus in. Maybe, I don't think that's it based on the evidence I'm getting ready to show you, but maybe, maybe. Now, what we know is when you sit around the table, we talked about this, this is meant to reinforce social standing. When you would sit down at a table with someone, it really reinforced social standing. It's no different than today. See, y'all, I've never been invited to the White House for a state dinner, ever. Talks about my social standing, right, of where I land in society. I've never been... Maybe if you have, just real fast time out, if you have, I seriously do want to talk to you. Like, I'm, I'm not kidding. Like, I just want to hear the experience. And even if it was like back with President Bush or President Obama, whoever, I don't care which president it was. If you were invited to a state dinner, I want to hear about the experience because I think that's so cool. Like, I've had one guy that I've known, and he was like, Billy, it was just so over the top. Like, it was ridiculous over the top. So if you've been, like, grab me in the hall. I want to hear the story. I want to see the photos. Time in. So... We know that this reinforced social standing, and so here Jesus is with these influential leaders. But look at that next part. It says that they were watching him closely, watching him closely. When you go to the Greek, that word watching means like they're ready, they're ready to pounce. Do I have cat people in here? Any cat people? Don't be ashamed. You can, I like that, hand shot straight up. We got like four or five of you. Awesome. Okay. Okay, more and more hands, like you were, okay, so we got some cat people. Cats, I don't like, but, <laughs> but here's what I do like. I can watch videos of cats. They make me sneeze, all right? That's what happens. I'm allergic to them. But when you watch the cats, like if you watch the videos, they're so stinking funny, aren't they? And they'll do this thing where they get their paws down and they just do, and they get low, and they, they squinch up their eyes, right? You know what I'm talking about. They get like little slits in their eyes and that tail's whipping back. You know what I'm talking about? They're watching whatever it is closely because they're ready to pounce. There's your picture. The Pharisees, they're watching Jesus closely. Why are they watching him closely? Because clearly Jesus is going to say something or do something that is counter to what they've taught to be true in the law. You know, you know what that does is that just screams pride, doesn't it? Jesus, clearly you're going to say something that's wrong and we're watching for it because we're right. If you ever engage in a conversation and the whole time your arms are crossed and you're waiting for that other person to say something that you know they're going to say, they're going to say something wrong because clearly you're smarter than they are. Church, that's pride. 
You maybe have never recognized that, but that is screaming out for everyone else to see. That's the picture of what we see going on here. We see these Pharisees just watching Jesus because clearly they know better. And Jesus is going to say something or do something that's going to be wrong. And when he does, they are there watching and waiting. Do you see that? Now, we shouldn't look at the Pharisees as those guys. I I told you just a little bit ago I want us to use today as a preparation. I just want you to examine your own heart preparing for the coming of Easter. Are there times where you have the pride of disbelief in your life? Where you say, Jesus, I believe in you. I'm just not going to live like I need you. I believe in you, but I believe the helping hand I'm looking for is at the end of my arm. I believe in you, but I'm going to do it all on my own. I'm going to figure it out. And when I don't, man, it is going to knock me off my pedestal so fast. Has that started to sneak into your life? But see, that's not the only thing we see. We see legalism as well, don't we? Look at verse 2 through 4. Scripture shifts here to focus on this man who had dropsy. Dropsy is not something that you go to the doctor and, and hear very much anymore, right? You go to the doctor and then you grab me in the hall. Will you pray for me? I have dropsy. That's not something we use. That's not a phrase. But what it would be is this, this thing where your arms would swell up or your legs would swell up and your stomach would swell, because your body's retaining water. And so when someone would have dropsy, everyone would be able to see that they would have it. And it would point to either organ failure or a terminal disease. But here's the point is everyone would know you're sick. Some of you this morning, you're not doing well physically. And maybe it's been a season since you've been well physically. But yet I would never know it, would I? You'll wave to me on the way out of church this morning, and I'll look at you, and it'll look like everything's great. You'll shake my hand and talk to me and show me your pictures from the state dinner. You'll show me all that. State, S-T-A-T-E, not steak, not filet mignon. No, I mean like the state dinner at the White House. You'll show me your picture, and I'll look at you, and it's going to look like everything's great, and everyone's going to look at you, and they're going to think everything's great because no one knows you're sick. With dropsy, it's not that way. Everyone knew that this man had dropsy. Now, here's the thing. What was he doing at the dinner? Remember, this was reinforcing the social status. So how did he get there in the first place? We don't know. Luke doesn't tell us. Luke doesn't tell us. Maybe, maybe it's because he's on level par with the Pharisees. Maybe that's what was going on. He's one of them. Maybe, maybe he's there because those who are watching and waiting ready to pounce, maybe they had invited him in as part of the plan to trip up Jesus because this is the Sabbath. Don't forget, this is the Sabbath. Maybe, maybe he was walking by. And do you remember how a couple weeks ago Brad had the, the, the table set up here and he was talking, he said that people would, would walk by and they would literally be able to see everything that was going on. Maybe he was just walking by and saw Jesus. And he just said, I think Jesus is the one who can do something about this. And he walked in. We don't know what he was doing there. What we know is what Jesus said. Jesus is looking at this man with dropsy, looks at the Pharisees. He just asks a question. Hey, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Now, if you look back at your Bible, they didn't say anything to answer. (laughs) That's pretty simple. Why didn't they answer? Well, here's why they didn't answer. They said, yes, it's lawful to heal Well, that goes against what they've taught, right? They haven't been teaching that. They've been teaching something very, very different. But yet, if they said, said, hey, it's against the law 
and they're looking at this man with dropsy. Well, they're kind of inhumane in that moment, right? They're kind of cold and calloused, and, and they're not really with the people at all. And so they just kind of froze, and they sat there. Now, what we know is that they were teaching that in the law, you could not heal unless it was a matter of life and death. The thing is with dropsy, they're looking, going, okay, he didn't just catch this and going to die tonight, probably. He probably would be okay to wait and do this tomorrow. So they're looking at the situation. They don't know what to say. What we do know is that Jesus has pointed out again and again that this is not the law. This is a tradition. This is their legalism. We know that because he has healed previously, Luke 4, Luke 6, Luke 13. So he asked the question, and the Pharisees pause. It's this point of just saying, do you see the pride of your legalism that started to sneak in, that you think that you're up here in this upper echelon, that you're closer to God because you're following rules that, that you made up. They're not even God's rules. They're rules that you made up and you're trying to find your success in God based on your ability to follow your own made-up system. Church, we want to prepare for Easter. Today, examine your heart. Have you started to make up your own morality system? That's not even of the way of God. It's just your own system of this is what's okay and this is not what's okay. And you have this weird system that it doesn't take much to get you caught in the middle of going, yeah, I don't know how to answer this because that's what we see. You know, they, they were able to look at this man with dropsy. And they were able to so quickly see this man needs grace, a grace that comes only through Christ Jesus. They could see that. Do you know what they didn't see? They didn't see their own need for grace. I'm afraid that I do that sometimes. I don't know about you, but I do that sometimes. It's easy for me to see in the lives of other people where they need the Lord. Sometimes I think I start going so quickly that I miss the point that I need the Lord. Do you do that a little bit? I can miss the point that, no, it's, it's not that like I, I need to love Jesus. No, I need the Lord. I need his grace in my life. I need his rescuing in my life because these Pharisees, they didn't see that. They were completely missing that. You also see creeping in this, this pride of hypocrisy. Do you see the hypocrisy? He says, which of you, which of you having a son or an ox has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out? Jesus is saying, okay, we would all do that. We'd all do that. If you had an animal... That was, that was hurt in the road, if you had an animal, if you had your own child, you would stop and help them, wouldn't you? And the way he asked the question, I don't know if you know this or not, but back in Deuteronomy, the law says you have to. See, this is binding to their law. In Deuteronomy chapter 22, it says that you should keep the Sabbath holy and this command that one should help lift a neighbor's donkey or ox that has fallen in the road. And then in Exodus, it points out that even if it belongs to someone who hates you. Isn't that incredible? In other words, here's what the law said. Hey, if there's someone's ox, if there's someone's donkey in the herd, I don't care whether you guys are having a fight with each other or not. If there's an animal that's hurting, you got to go help that animal. And so when Jesus asks this question of the Pharisees, he asks in a way that says, hey, are, are you going to tell me you, you, you care about that, that donkey more than you care about that person with dropsy who's right in front of you and you can do something about it? Is that, is that what you're telling me? Really? Is that what you're telling me? That doesn't make much sense. That makes you a hypocrite, right? That, that's not good at all. Or you're telling me if it was your own child, you wouldn't help them? 
You'd say, oh, sorry, it's the Sabbath. I'm not going to help you until tomorrow. Tomorrow, let me know and I'll help you out. Jesus is saying, no, that's ridiculous. You're being such hypocrites here. And because of your pride, you won't even admit it. You won't admit where your heart is. Jesus is moving us to continue to focus on not just his ways, but the law. They asked him at one point, what's the greatest of all the commands? What did he say? Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. We should love God so much we do what he actually says, which means when the animal's hurting, you help the animal, right? And to love people. And when that person is hurting, you help that person. Jesus says every law goes back to that focus. Every rule that we see in scripture always goes back to helping us to love God more and to love others more. And they completely lost sight of that. They completely lost sight of it. It reminds me of what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. This is his very first sermon ever as he had gathered the disciples and said, follow me. They were learning what that meant to follow him. And he says this, He says, why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but don't notice the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, then you'll see clearly so you can take the speck out of your brother's. Jesus says, we're supposed to be doing this together, church. You, You remove that obstacle that's in your own life, and then you put your arm around that brother or sister in Christ and you help them with their speck. You don't ignore the speck. You don't say, oh no, specks are good in the eye. If you want the speck there, everyone should run around with specks in the eye. No, he doesn't say that. He says, help them with it. Do you hear the love there? Do you hear the the compassion in how he's talking about how we address other people? Not in a way that's prideful, not in a way that's puffed up, not in the way of hypocrisy, but with gentleness. That's the same thing that we read James say when James says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's our last point today. Humility allows us to enjoy Jesus. Again, would you enjoy sitting down to lunch with Jesus today? You know, I'd hope for every single one of us in this room that after this time of preparation, we would all go, yeah, no, I'd love to sit down with Jesus I would love to sit down and have some lunch. Listen to this. It says, now he told a parable to those who were invited. When he noticed how they chose places of honor, saying to them, when you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come to you and say, give your place to this person, and then you'll begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you're invited... Go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And so Jesus has healed the man with dropsy, and he has sent him on his way, and then Jesus is watching this whole scene play out. Now again, this is going to reinforce social standing. You've heard of the Last Supper, right, which we will remember on Thursday. I highly encourage you as a family to stop and to remember that this would have been the night that Jesus ate the Passover with the disciples. And it's so intriguing. When Jesus starts that whole night, he removes his, his outer clothing. He gets down on his hands and his knees, and he washes the feet of the disciples. Do you know why he did that? Well, because when you would, 
when you'd celebrate the Passover, it would start with the person of lowest position. Normally, the youngest child would take a pitcher of water and would wash the hands of every single person at the table, ending with normally the father, whoever the patriarch of the family was. That's normally where it would end. Jesus took the form of the very lowest that night. Not only by doing the washing, but he said, I'm not going to wash the hands. I'm going to, I'm going to wash their very feet. Do you hear that? I mean, how incredible that is. So Jesus is watching at this particular dinner. He's watching this whole scene play out as like people are wanting to kind of jump the line and go to like that head position. Be like going to a wedding today. If you go to a wedding today, you know how they have like the, the head table during the Uh, during the reception. Receptions are a big deal now, right? You know, you got dancing and eating and you got all that stuff. For ours, we had some after dinner mints and called it a day. You know, that was all you got. A peanut, did we have peanuts too, maybe? We have cake and peanuts, Amy says. Okay, cake, peanuts, after dinner mints. That's what we gave, so our... Our wedding was not what they do today. So anyway, imagine seeing that head table and you're going to go into the reception and you look around, you're like, I don't see my name tag anywhere. I guess that means I just get to sit wherever I want to sit. And so you go and you sit down right where the best man's supposed to be sitting. And then the wedding party comes in. Can you imagine the awkwardness of this? Is this exactly what Jesus is describing? The bride and the groom, they'd have to look at you and they'd have to be, um, <clears throat> you know, you've got it. You can't sit there. That's not your seat. That seat's safe for someone else. Jesus says, take, take the lowest seat. And then if they want to invite you up to a higher seat, then so, so be it. But, but be humble. Just take the lowest seat. Real fast, this is not talking about false humility. You, you've done that before, right? You, you've seen it before. False humility, false humility is when you go and you take that lowest seat but then if they don't ask you to move up to a better seat, you get really insulted by it, right? And you get really upset. Well, I can't believe they didn't invite me to move up. I should have definitely been asked to move up to that seat. That's, that's not humility. That's fake humility. That's pride with a humility mask on. But it's not real humility. Jesus is saying, just take that humble posture. Now, again, today, today is a day that we recognize the Passover, this is the day of the Passover, you know, or not Passover, but the um, Palm Sunday. Today is Palm Sunday. And so at Palm Sunday, Jesus has this triumphal entry into Jerusalem where they're waving palm branches and they're shouting out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus came in riding on what? He came riding, as Zacharias said he would, on a donkey. He didn't come on a white stallion. He didn't come on a war horse. Here's the Savior. Here's the Rescuer. Here's the Redeemer coming into Jerusalem on a donkey. Do you hear the humbleness there? Do you hear the humility there? It's what Paul says to the Philippians chapter 2 as he says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but humility... Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. I want to come back to this first, a real fast story. And I, I know I've shared this story in the past. It's a story that I, I hate. But I think maybe a few of you will identify with it. 
I was about 28 years old. I was interviewing for a ministry position. And it was one of those interviews. It was like a year-long interview process, including psychological tests and everything else. And so after one of those particular tests, they were doing the evaluation phase. And the person reading through all of my answers said this. They said, Billy, it says here that sometimes you struggle with authority. And this was my answer. My answer was, oh, no, ma'am, I don't struggle with authority. As long as there's a strong ruler above me, I'll, I'll do anything they ask. I'll go anywhere they want to go. But if they're not going to lead, someone's going to lead. So I'll lead. You know, it's no big deal. And it took a few years before God really exposed the sin of pride in my heart. Do, do you hear the pride that's there? Do you hear the pride that says, no, clearly I know better than God because that's the person God put as the person over me but I'm going to try to circumvent everything I'm supposed to learn in that moment, and I'm just going to lead if they're not going to do it. Do you, do you hear how prideful and gross that is? And it took me a while to actually learn that. It took me a while before I really came to that place of repentance for that. In fact, I had to go to my next boss and say to them, I owe you an apology. And it wasn't that I externally would say things or do things that anyone else would know, but it was in my heart. It was, it was so gross the way it would just creep around in my heart. It did not line up with this. Listen again. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Do you hear how far away I was there? It says, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Friends, the only way we do this is not trying harder or being better. The only way we do this is in Christ. It says, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. And being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Oh my goodness, I cannot wait for Easter next week. I cannot wait for the way that we celebrate in a very special way the resurrected Christ, the one who has rescued us, the one who has redeemed us, the one who has made us new. And yet, I think it's very possible that today there's, there's some work to be done in the heart. Today, there's some preparation that needs to happen. So I just want to give you some space this morning just to pray and just to examine and just to do some work, am I really ready for this time of celebration? Am I really ready for this place because I've emptied myself? If Christ were to show up at lunch today, I would look at him with open arms and just say, I am so excited to see you. Is that where you're at? Are you in that place where as Ben was talking about inviting people? Are you in that place where when you answer that question in your heart, are you ready? You're going, yes, I'm ready. Yes, I'm ready, and I want to make sure there's others coming too because I don't want anyone to miss this. This is going to be awesome, and I don't want anyone to miss it. I want them to come in and be part of it. Maybe. Maybe for some of you, you need a time of quiet and a time of prayer because for you, you've never surrendered to Jesus as Lord. And maybe as someone who's watching online, you've just never, ever stopped and surrendered. 
And if you had to get to the core of why you haven't surrendered, it's pride. Because you feel like, I'll just do better. I'll just try harder. I'll just pray more. I won't make those mistakes anymore. Friends, that will never, ever get you to heaven because we can never be good enough. We can't. We need a Savior. That's why Christ came. You see, he entered into Jerusalem with crowds shouting out Hosanna. And yet they didn't realize that the rescuing they needed was an eternal rescuing, not just rescuing from Rome. Some of you today, you think the rescue that you need is a physical rescuing because of sickness that you've been fighting. For some of you, you think the rescuing you need is a financial rescuing because the money situation you're in, you're like, I don't know the way out. Some of you, you think it's a career rescuing that you need. For some of you, there's a relational rescuing that you think you need. Can I just tell you, all of that is possible. All that's possible, but only through Christ Jesus. It's only through Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you. We praise you for today. Lord, there are some messages that I read through, and as I'm in the text, it just... It moves me to this place of laughing at the scene in front of me. And then in the next breath, it leaves me feeling like I've been punched in the gut. And it leaves me in a place of repentance. So God, I pray for my church family, for those who've been struggling with maybe these same issues. Maybe we have had the sin of pride in the area of hypocrisy, of legalism of doubt, Lord, of just doubting you, of thinking that we can outsmart you or, or one-up you. Lord, I just, I, I pray for those who've been struggling with pride, that today we strip that away, we recognize it, we call it out for what it is, and we turn from that sin. Lord, you came so that we could be free. You came so that we could find life in you. And so I pray for that freedom this morning. I pray for this place of celebration in our relationship with you. No barriers, Lord. There were barriers between the Pharisees and Jesus, and they were at the table with them. Lord, don't let there be barriers between us and you. Because you're here. You're right here. You promised you'd never leave us or forsake us. And so we just recognize the movement of the Holy Spirit in this place. For those who have been continuing to push you away, I pray today the pushing away stops. And maybe that pushing away has been to individuals who have known that you're knocking on the door of our hearts. Lord, they know they need to surrender to you, but for whatever reason they haven't. They keep pushing away, saying, I'll wait, I'll do that later. I don't know enough. I don't think I'm good enough. Lord, I pray that they receive that reminder today that they're never going to be good enough. I'm not good enough. No one in here is good enough. But that's grace. Such an amazing grace you poured out on us. So Lord, I pray they receive that grace today. And there's a surrendering to Jesus as Lord and Savior. That they come to the place of saying, I believe. Lord, I pray that they come to this place of saying, I believe that God loves me, that Jesus came and he lived and he died and he lived again. And I'm surrendering my life to Jesus as my Lord and Savior. 
Lord, we thank you for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. We thank you that the world that we live in that is so broken and so messed up is not our forever home. That's why we ache and we yearn for you. So God, continue to show us those holy places. Continue to remind us of the calling that we have to live as Christ, to have the mind of Christ. Lord, correct our mouths, our hands, our feet to glorify you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.